All right. Who moved it? Sure where it's going to be next week. I found <clears throat> that as I as I get older, um, I still debate with people, and, and it's all sorts of topics. Um, but I found that I debate a little bit differently than I did when I was um, 16 or 17 or 18 or five or however old I was when I started arguing with people. Um, I used to. And I guess I still do this to some extent. Try to memorize every fact. And I used to try to know everything about everything. So I was prepared for any argument that would, that would, would come up on any topic, which is, of course, impossible. Uh, and I suppose that's useful to a certain extent if you can remember lots of facts. Um, but I found that one of the things that I do now uh, is that I, I look at the the faults in the arguments themselves. Uh, we call these logical fallacies. For example, uh, well, a logical fallacy is, is something that um, you make a statement, but it doesn't actually support the point you're trying to prove. Um, like we call these uh, like circular reasoning or um, uh, an ad hominem attack, which is, you know, uh, well, you're just stupid. Uh, now I've got to defend the fact that I'm stupid or not stupid or whatever. And, and we get off the point. That doesn't really... I could be stupid and still be right. I, um, I, just, just by accident, I could be a stupid person and just accidentally be right in this. That, that doesn't really prove your point, uh, whether or not I'm stupid or not. Uh, and so so, so I've, I've gotten trained to, to listen for, for these types of things. And you say, well, what does this have to do with Christ's title? Certainly, what in the world does this have to do with Christmas? Um, but sometimes... Um, in, in, in ha- being trained like this, I read the scriptures and I think, I think I've found, or, or my brain, I, I'm like, I can't admit that. That, that wouldn't be right, that's the Bible. But it's, it seems like I've found a, a logical fallacy. This is, doesn't seem to be a type of an argument uh, that supports the thing that Paul might be trying to prove or, or whatever author. It's like, that, I, I guess I wouldn't have debated that way. You know? uh, so um, sometimes Christ. Would, would say things like, I don't think I would have debated that way. I, I'm sure he's a better debater than me, but, but I don't think I would have debated that way. Uh, and, and so these things, and sometimes when I, I hit the, I'm just like, okay, I, I know I'm wrong uh, because this is the Bible and I'm wrong uh, if I disagree with it or, or whatever. So I just kind of put it over here and we'll come back to it later. Uh, so in uh, this week, I had one of those moments um, in studying for, for this sermon. I had one of these moments where something which has kind of bugged me a long time uh, kind of came back. It's like, oh, that cleared that up. Uh, in fact, um, the way it, it happened was um, because uh, in going to camps, uh, and I had this whole wonderful year of sermons planned out, and, and when we went to camps, of course, we missed them. Like, oh, now I've got a title that I, I didn't get to get to. And I've been trying to figure out where I was going to put it in. And I'm like, this doesn't seem to go with any of the topics and that I, I've tried to organize these by topics. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to have to forget one of these titles. And, uh, and I had began the week, and we're, we're coming to the end of the year. And uh, I was just like, well, we're just going to have to miss one. And, and right about Tuesday, it 
popped into my sermon. I'm like, that's where it goes. I didn't intend this. I was ready to give it up, and it just, it just went into the sermon. Uh, and so we're going to, to be talking, of course, uh, we're talking about Christ as Emmanuel this week, but we're not going to begin there. Uh, we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to begin with a text uh, that, uh, that really has, on the face of it, nothing to do uh, with, uh, with Christmas. And I'm not sure, okay, that's not my background. Um, we're just going to have to do this without the screen here. That's okay. Um, Matthew chapter 21, verse 7. Matthew 21, you, you can just turn that off. We're, gonna, we're not going to need that. Um, We've got to do this now, Tim. Tim, Tim and me here. Matthew 21, uh, verse 7, uh, beginning uh, through 11. He says, They brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on him, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes in the road. And others cut down the branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, and the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, this was the text that I had been kind of pushing down the road uh, for, for a couple of months now. And obviously this is not the Christmas story. This is the, the Easter story. I mean, and if you forgot what month this is, that's a couple months down. Or you forgot it like nine months ago. But no, uh, we're going to see how this kind of connects to, to our theme here a little bit and how it connects to Emmanuel. Uh, but I draw one, one, your, your attention to one part of this text is that the, here we see him, even at his death connected, and we talked about this several weeks ago, connected to his hometown, Nazareth, and, and we mentioned that, that all around this story really kind of connected to his birth, um, this, this story even at the end of his life. Um, now, I'm going to turn over uh, to the beginning of Matthew, to the text that's actually bugged me, uh, and, and, and we're going to, to go through, and you'll see how these come together, and that's Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Matthew 1, and verse 21 beginning. Uh, and it's just, it's just a couple of verses. He says, and this is the, the angel comes, says, he, he shall bring forth a, uh, she will bring forth a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Now, uh, on the face of this, when I read this, I see a verse that doesn't support its conclusion. And, and let me explain what I mean. Because uh, I read this in English. And, and, and so I see, you shall, the, the point of this, and, and you notice, especially when you go through Matthew, how many times 
Uh, Matthew says, and it was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet. It was fulfilled. Uh, we went through some of these, just the number of times at his birth, things were stated. But all the way through Matthew, uh, things happened, and, and Matthew notes the prophecies that are fulfilled time and time and time and time again. Uh, and, and so I read this and I say, well, you are going to call his name Jesus, but, his, but this is going to fill the prophecy that he would be called Emmanuel. Now, to me, I'm like, that doesn't seem to support the conclusion. And, and in this all, we're going to, to see how Hosanna uh, comes into play here. So, what we want to ask ourselves, since Jesus doesn't technically mean Emmanuel, uh, how, then, uh, is Jesus uh, Emmanuel? Um, when, and, and so, to do this, we're going to have to look at the original prophecy. Uh, the original prophecy is found in uh, Isaiah. So we're going to go back to Isaiah chapter 7. That's not going to be up here because it's kind of a, a longer text. But Isaiah 7 and then, and then another passage in, in uh, chapter 8, uh, a slightly shorter one. Isaiah 7, and it begins in verse 10. Yeah, yeah. This is rather annoying. <laughs> Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. Is my in the right? Isaiah 7, 10. Okay, we got it. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. But he said, Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you weary men? For you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he will eat uh, until he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the Lord shall know to refuse the evil, and before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land which you dread will be forsaken by both of her kings, the Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house, days that have not come since that, uh, that Ephraim departed from Judah. And so, uh, so, what in the world? This is the prophecy of Christ being called Emmanuel. Right? And what does this have to do with anything? And one of the things, um, <coughs> I know when we think of, you say, well, the first thing when you say, how is Jesus Emmanuel? Well, it means God with us. That's true. It means God with us. Uh, and, and so a lot of people use this and say, see, this is a proof that Christ was God. Well, that's what God meant by the, by the prophecy. But, but I do want to explain something. that It doesn't by its own nature mean that Christ had to be God. Now, how do I know that? Well, because I grew up and I knew a kid by the name of Manuel. And he wasn't God. I also remember, for those of you who are a certain age, that there was a certain guy by the name of Manuel Noriega, who also was not God. <coughs> so having the name Emmanuel, or Manuel, doesn't mean that you are God. In fact, when we see this passage, God uses um, prophecies a couple of ways. He, typically what he has is he has a short-term fulfillment when we look at the Old Testament, and then he has kind of what he really wants it to mean. And so we, we want to look first at what he originally means, because 
that will kind of illustrate what he's trying to get to when Christ comes. And, and the lessons he wants people to understand. And we're going to see that, that when it comes to Christ, people are going to recognize this because it's a part of their history. And that's what a lot of these prophecies were for. To familiarize people with something so that when it happened, they said, Oh. And we even see that with the apostles. Oh yeah, they remembered what he said. Oh, now it makes sense to me. And that's kind of the why that the, the the reason that, that God did his prophecies this way, to have a, a thing that it kind of did, and then what I really wanted to do. And so we're going to look at that. Um, well, we look at this passage, and there's a couple of things in here I want to, want to look at. Uh, the first of all uh, is he says, he talks about these two kings you'd read. Well, really nothing was going on in the time of Christ with two kings. However, in the time of Isaiah, or as he's called in, in some of the uh, versions, Ahaz, uh, there was some problem with kings. So, so the first, the kings that they were uh, worried about at this point in time were Syria, uh, the kings of Syria and Samaria to the north. Right? Israel was a divided kingdom. Here, here Isaiah is talking to Judah, to, to the people of Judah, the southern kingdom. He's like, I know you guys, you, you're so afraid of, of everything that, that's happening, but uh, up there with those two kings up there in the northern part in, in Israel and uh, uh, even further up in Israel, or excuse me, in Syria... But I'm going to take care of things. Don't, you don't need to be worried about that. I'm God. And so, uh, the next thing that, that's kind of uh, interesting in this passage, uh, he, says, he talks about this curds and honey. What, what is this thing about curds and honey? Now, I don't ever read about Jesus having curds and honey. Now, this is not your, your squeaky cheese. Uh, uh, so, so, he wasn't eating cheese curds. Um, this is kind of um, like Gerber baby food. Uh, if you want. It's like cottage cheese. They weaned their boys, uh, well, girls too, uh, they, they weaned their little kids onto, uh, onto honey, and uh, they would use, of course you can't give an infant honey, we know that, uh, but, but uh, when they became toddlers, and, and they're starting to wean them, around three or four years old when they weaned them, a little bit different from, from today, but they would, or maybe two, as, as early as two, they use cottage cheese and honey to get them ready for solid food. So, so that's this, this passage, what he's talking about, all has to do with this time period of this boy that's going to be born uh, at some point in time. And, and before he's to the age, he says, before he's to the age where he starts to even know right and wrong, I'm going to take care of this. This is a time stamp. And he says, the virgin will be with child. Now you say, wait a minute. Uh, how is this not talking about Christ? Well, it's easy. Because there is a secondary definition uh, to the concept of a virgin. Of course, the, the, when we get to Matthew, we understand what he's meaning there, but, but the word virgin had, it, the word means to conceal, it means to hide. Uh, and so, uh, a lot of times, a, a father might not allow his daughter to marry. That was their right to do. And so she would be kind of hidden in her father's house. But it could refer to a wife. It was, could actually be referred to as a virgin. Uh, he's like, how in the world could that be? Uh, it had a secondary definition. She might have been kept in the home, not out somewhere. It wasn't in the public. And it, just, it kind of ended up becoming a general word that meant like a maiden, a young, a young woman, a young married or unmarried. So it has these two definitions. And what we see is that, um, so being a preacher, uh, preachers' families get pulled into 
preachers do a lot, right? You've ever known a preacher? Just the, everybody, it's like, well, we are preachers, kid. You're just going to have to live with it. You're the preacher's wife. You just got to live with it. You're, just, you're in a special class. And you look in the Old Testament and you see that, that God does that with preachers' families. Right? God does this with, with uh, Hosea. God, I'm going to teach some lessons through your family. And it appears that, that God does this with Isaiah. It appears that Isaiah has a child whose name is Emmanuel. And he says, and there's, there's a, this time stamp in this, in this passage, he says, listen, be, before these two years are up, before you're even weaning him, even while, or even while you're starting the weaning process, these two kings from Syria and Samaria, I'm going to deal with them. And so, to let you know uh, that I'm, I'm really with you on this, I want you to name the child Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I want you to be reminded, and, and, and I want your, your kids, I want the preacher's kid to be a reminder to everybody you preach to, God is with us. Every time they see the preacher's kid, they're going to say, hey, God is with us. Right? And it's the reminder every week, God is going to take care of this situation. Uh, so, uh, and now he, he talks about um, how this reaches even to the neck. Um, Let's see, that might be an Isaiah 8 here. I'm not sure if I, if I, my arms aren't long enough. <laughs> here we go. Isaiah 8, and a couple of these ideas are, are found here. Isaiah 8 begins in, in verse 7. He says, Now therefore, behold, the Lord brings over them the waters of the river, Strong and mighty, the king of Assyria in all his glory. He will go up over his channels and over his banks. He will pass through Judah. He will overflow and pass over, even reaching up to the neck. And the stretching out of his wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Be shattered peoples and broken pieces. Give ear, all of you from faraway countries. Gird yourselves, but you'll be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves but be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, oh, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. God is with us, Emmanuel. And so, so he says, here's this, uh, here's this awful, powerful country of, of Syria and Samaria, and these people thought that we're just never, this is so awful, what's going to happen? God says, I've got a plan. God is with you. In less than two or three years, a serious coming. So there's a time stamp, as I say. There's a time stamp in this prophecy of when it, this part of the, the passage is not really referring to Christ. Christ is, God is going to use this prophecy to refer to some things about Christ. But it has its first fulfillment. Before your kid is even two years old, I'm going to deal with this. But... Is going to reach to the neck. Now, so now they see Assyria coming. And this is about the year 700 BC. So 700 years before Christ. And, and here comes Assyria. Well, they took over Assyria, no problem. Assyria, I know, sorry, Assyria and Syria. They could have been a little bit more creative in the names of their countries. But uh, so Assyria comes over and, and defeats the northern Syria. And then they move down into. into the northern part of Israel, all those many countries, or there was like eight of them, which were states, I guess, kind of those other things that made up the north, 
Oh, they just took them captive. And this is around, so by this time, uh, this is around uh, 650, 700, somewhere in that, in that time period. And it was like up to your neck. Are we, are we going to sink or swim here? And uh, they're coming. <coughs> and there's this feeling they might just come in right through Judah and take them too. God says, no. It's, it's going to feel like it. You're not going to know what, what, it, what your future holds, but Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us. And all the plans to try to stop what God wants to happen, you can make the plans. It won't be, it won't be anything. I've got this under control. Emmanuel, our God is with us. And that's, that's what this prophecy is all about. The first part. But it's not, it's not really what God wants to get to. But it is a message of hope. Uh, the land is full of danger. There's all sorts of danger from all sides. What's going to happen to us? It is a message of hope. Uh, so, we want to get to the main event. Because that's not really what the whole thing is about, is it? Because 600, 700 years later, God's going to say, oh yeah, remember when I said that? Yeah, it was about that, but this is what I really wanted to set this up for. I really wanted it to be about this, and so the main event becomes clear. So when Christ comes, the setting and the situation are familiar. The name Emmanuel by then means to them the protection of God. They know what this This isn't like some new name, name that, that God says, oh, by the way, you're going to have a baby named Jesus uh, because it has to do with Emmanuel, which I still don't get and you still haven't gotten to. But, uh, but just do it uh, and, and I'll explain what it means later. No, they already understood the concept of Emmanuel. This is a part of their, their history. This is a, a major event in their history. And they recognize what Emmanuel means. means God is with us. It's happened before. He says, let's call him Emmanuel because God is with us. And they go, the light goes on. Because they see a desperate time. We've talked about the desperate situation that they lived in. So, now, here we, how we get to Hosanna. Uh, I want to look at a couple. Uh, we see, first of all, that hope is a child. That's kind of a weird concept for us. But hope uh, to, to Isaiah and, and the people at that time, hope was in a child. <coughs> Here's a child. His name's Emmanuel. God is with us. Now, the child wasn't going to do the saving, but he was a sign of the salvation. It's going to take a little turn because the child himself is going to be the salvation. But here's the, here's the interesting thing. As these people are looking, they're programmed to look for a child when times get tough. Uh, and so, Jesus, or Yeshua, means Jehovah saves. That's what the word means, Jehovah saves. Well, that's interesting. Um, because Hosanna, or Yasha, means salvation. They're actually a connected word. And that's the concept of Emmanuel. God with us, Jehovah saves. It's all connected. It's kind of like, if A equals B and B equals C, A equals C. That's kind of what this is here. 
So, Hosanna, Christ's presence, God's presence with us is for salvation. And they're programmed to look for a child. And we, we think of that as strange. But hope is a child. I want to know Emmanuel this morning. I don't want to just know about some things and, and, and hope that, that that is interesting history. I hope that, that uh, uh, prophecy uh, comes and brings and makes things a little bit more alive to you when you, when you look at the things that are happening. These are, these are things that God just laid out and then he, he just brings it together nicely as a puzzle. But no Emmanuel. <clears throat> When I think of this, I think of confidence is my concept. When I look at the Old Testament, when I look at what they were having, have confidence in God. He's got this under control, and this is what he's repeating to them. Well, confidence has two different, um, two different ideas. Here in Psalms 31, verse 14, he says, But I trust in you, O Lord, and I say, You are my God. Confidence in Christ. Well, confidence is two things. And so the first thing here is obviously trust. I trust God. We've used the synonyms. We have an interesting thing where we, we look to the next generation for hope, don't we? Don't we all, no matter what generation we're in, we, we kind of know the things and the way our generation screwed it up. Right, right. You can be a baby boomer, you're like, yeah, we did that wrong. Right. The Gen Xers, we know how we did things. And we can all point out. But yet, no matter how we, how we can admit that, we still can't quite trust the next generation to fix it. Right? Right, think about it. This year, no matter how it turns out, we're going to elect, as a president, an old geezer. Let's face it. They're gonna, the youngest... Of any of the front runners is 70 years old. We can sit there and talk about how they mess things up, but we're going to elect one of them to try to fix it. Right? We, 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 can, we can say the nice things about, oh, I hope that we have all the hope for the future in the next generation, but we never quite trust them. Right? Think about this that, that, that hope is a child, and here's this hope, but are we going to trust a child to fix it? I mean, an infant. We're going to trust an infant to fix the world. Imagine being told, you're safe now. I've got a baby. Not afraid to use him. Right? <laughs> a baby. He can't do anything for himself. I, I remember, I've told this story so many times. Walking out uh, with our first child. Didn't happen with the second, third, or fourth. But the first child, it was. I, I, I still remember. Came down the elevator. It, I had everything. I went like through the whole car and did all the car seat. And we had one of those locking things and tested everything. And I, I, I don't even sure I might have had. I took it to the police station, I think, and had them check it just to make sure it was. It, 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 we were so concerned about the safety of this child, right? And and I remember we come down the elevator and it's not quite real yet. And uh, it's like, you know, you're just kind of carrying around this thing, yeah? And, and, uh, and 
And you got the, and then I took a left. Just go up, and just you can exit either way. And and there's the uh, the the gifted thing there. And then uh, and it took a left, and there's the open doors, right? And no one's stopping me. They're gonna let me walk out with this kid. Do they know what they're doing? I don't even trust myself. I'm 30 years old. And it, I'm like, I'm, I was doing this. I literally was like looking, waiting for someone to stop. You can't do that. What are you doing? I'm 30 years old. And I've got reservations about my capabilities. But to trust a child? That's crazy. God with us. Trust a child. That's amazing. But it also means something else. To to confidence has one other idea. <clears throat> Who knew? It means to confide. To confide. The ability to confide in is confidence. Well, that's kind of like trust. But it's a little bit more specific. Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-one. He says, you shall bear a son, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the main event. The main event is not the king of Assyria. Assyria doesn't exist. I think it's part of Iran now. It doesn't even go by the same. Who's the king of Syria? I forget the guy's name. What are they in the world? That was not the main event. It was important to those people, I'm sure. But that was not the main event. Salvation from some political thing or some world event, yeah, big to you when you're going through it. It's big to us when we go through it. Not grand. On the world stage or the historical stages. Nothing. 200 years from now, I don't care what your political stripe is, no one's going to talk about it. The things that we get so upset about, no one's going to talk about. That doesn't rate. Salvation from sin, however, does. That's still going to be a topic. 200 years from now, 500 years from now, however long this earth goes, salvation from sin is still going to be a topic. That's the main event. Jesus didn't come merely to save us from negative circumstances. Listen, he does. We have events that are huge to us. I think this last week or so, we've all experienced events that are huge to us. It might not shake the world, but it shakes us. He's concerned about those things. I'm not saying he's not concerned about those things. Just like he helped people in, in, in Judah. Yeah. He still affects our things, but that's not the main event. He came for us to confide in him. Jesus came for the Easter story, not the Christmas story. We like the Christmas story. But the peace on earth didn't happen when he was born. 
Peace on this planet happens when Christ dies and comes back. That's when the peace happens. When I can make peace and confide in Christ, when I know on a personal level that God is with me, that's when it happens. So we are going to conclude with a question. You up to your neck? Do you feel like you're up to your neck? I'm not talking about the events. We're getting ready to go on vacation. Every time we go away on vacation, it's crazy. I don't care where we've ever lived, it's been nuts. I've forgotten passports and gotten at the train station to have no passports and have to figure that out. I've, I've booked the wrong flight on the wrong day and had to figure out how I'm going to get up to the capital of a country uh, in time and had to make those emergency plans. And nothing ever goes right on vacation, right? I'm not talking about up to your neck like that. I'm talking about in your life, when you go home, are you up to your neck? Do you have difficulty knowing how you're going to do this week? The struggles you have? Are you up to your neck? It's time to confide in somebody. There's a whole group of people here to confide in. None of us can save you. I can't save you. I can help you. Wade can help you. Mike can help you. Guy can help you. There's, there's tons of people that can help you, but none of us can save you. It's time to confide in Christ. It's time to give yourself to Him. To give yourself and trust in a child who was raised by parents who were completely inadequate and who died to save us from the most important danger that we will ever face. We're going to conclude, and I'm going to teach you a, a song, probably a lot of you guys already know it. Not a Christmas song, sorry. Called How Deep the Father's Love. You guys ever heard of it? Okay. So we got a couple people that will help me out. So we're just gonna do this as we as we close, and then we'll have the announcements. Is that up there?